Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Echelon Cycling Podcast, where we discuss what's been happening in the world of professional cycling and also with an eye to the week ahead because Bianchi is coming up, I guess. And as always, I'm joined by Patrick Blake of Audi Cycling and Mr. Krigor himself, Ewan Wilson. And I mean, guys, a lot on the program. Omru Heznumba, Head Kern, Brussels Kern, Grand Camino, UAE Tour, Tour Rwanda, and uh, another, well, a few other stories and a few other one-day races as well. But yeah, Grand Camino, both of you are huge fans. Started a bit how it finished, affected by adverse weather. And yeah, what did you guys think of it? Well, to kick things off, let me get my picture of the Pope. Um, this is, of course, the Catholic race. Um for all of us, sad story that you you brought up with Peter Zagan, considering we're going to talk about that later. But uh, right. yeah, sorry, maybe, sorry. Maybe the Pope go, go, go. can help him and bless him uh, with his uh, cardiac problems. We'll get to that. Uh, but uh, the Grand Camino it is uh, it follows the pilgrimage route of the Camino de Santiago, which crosses all the way through northern Spain, begins in Lourdes in France, uh, where we go usually on the Tour de France. But with that aside, theology put to bed for the moment. This week was, I mean, it had biblical weather conditions. The individual time trial on day one did not count to the GC, but we saw Josh Tarling rip the field to shreds. He took the stage win ahead of Darren Rafferty of. You have education first and second place with Bulbata in top five as well. Um, the next day, we resumed uh, proper racing, you could say, with Jonas Vigo taking the win, Egan Bernal following with him for a while, and Jefferson Cepeda in third place. Stage three, once again, Vigo took the win. It was a good week of racing for Vigo, and that continued into the final stage of racing, uh, where we had a, a muted final stage. We were supposed to have two passages. Uh, through the Monte Aloya National Park, but there was only one in the end, but Vengo still won that in the pouring, pouring rain ahead of uh, Lenny Martinez in second place. Overall, uh, after a week of racing, well, sorry, well, four days of racing, uh, Vengo took the overall win at, with three stage victories to his name. Lenny Martinez finished in second place for Group Arma Francais des Jeux, and Egan Bernal sort of he gave glimpses of his former self finishing in third place. This marks, I believe, his first stage race podium since uh, his back problems in 2021 sort of uh, screwed up his uh, his career, you'd say. Well, actually, that big crash at the beginning, beginning of 2022, that's probably a better uh, sort of place to, to put a comma or semi semicolon into his career. Jefferson Cepeda finished in fourth place. He now writes for Kyle Rual, with Keen Audebrooks in fifth, Hugh Carthy in sixth, Quentin Pache, fantastic ride for him in seventh, Ruben Guerrero in eighth, ninth for Raul Garcia of Airbnb, and tenth for Matteo Fabra, who now rides for Palti Cometa. Interestingly, outside of top ten in eleventh place was Richard Calapath of EF Education first. So, I mean, much like last year, Vingo led from start to finish. Took many wins along the way. Good. Well, actually, this is, this is his first race of the year, so there's no better way to start. I guess I didn't expect Jonas to be this this dominant, which sounds a bit weird to say now that I've just said it, but I didn't think that he'd win every stage. I thought that there would be... I definitely thought that he'd win, like, two or three. Um, but yeah, I think that stage three was a little bit of a surprise because I think he just went solo. So that was pretty incredible. But yeah, Tarling was just so dominant in that TT. I kind of wanted to touch on that just for a little bit because there was a bit of controversy about the time gaps, obviously not counting towards GC. What do you guys make of that? I've seen two conflicting opinions of, you know, at least the stage wasn't cancelled. We at least got racing, but it didn't count. 
versus if it's good enough to race bikes in, should the time gaps just be taken anyway? I mean, we do constantly complain that they're not taking enough precautions for the cycle, well, for the riders and the racing. Last year's Vuelta time trial, I know it was different because it was dark, but like the bad weather conditions there, that stage should have been neutralized. I think they probably did the best thing here uh, because if something did go wrong, it would have reflected badly. And based on the information they had at the beginning of the day, it didn't look great in terms of the weather. It got better towards the end of the stage. So, I mean, thankfully the weather w- was okay enough that no one got hurt. But um, yeah, it is a bit of a downer that this race had its ITT removed. But for Tarling as well, European champion, um, I mean, the question now lies, who is really going to be beating Tarling in the next couple of years? Pippo Ganna, his own teammate, looks to be the strongest time trialist in the world. I know he's not the world champion. We also have Rem Nepal and, um, and Wout Van Aert as well from the Belgian pack. But it's looking like Josh Tarling is, is, is the real deal. He wasn't just a one-season wonder. Yeah, he's literally the guy, isn't he? Like he and he's going to what, be nineteen. You've already like it might be washed. <laughs> no, but like like in terms of like sometimes we do get riders who have like sort of one season wonders where they hit the ground running, and he might have had just incredible form last year, and it never really matches up again. The stars aligned for him, but the beginning of this year looking like he is in good form. But we can't read too much from a time trial that was essentially neutralized, but. Uh, the fact that he was willing to race it, I think, showed that he had he has real panache and really wanted to take the state win. Also, bear in mind, last year, he didn't quite have the optimized setup. Uh, this year, he definitely does, so that's probably only going to make him faster. I have good feelings about him, even though I was very, very pragmatic last year to say that he was the real deal. I'm starting to, to believe and jump on this hype train. Did you see the final climb? That really, that really pissed me off. It's a cobbled climb. And they had like a smooth line that all the riders went on. So it's like, what's the point then? It's not. Yeah, push the fence closer. Get rid of that smoothness. It's a bit like when we look at Tour of Flanders, where they all ride on the side or like Pyro Bay. Like, you mean you ride on the cobbles or like, who cares? Tarling should do TTs on a road bike and everyone else should do them on TT bikes. (laughs) I think that would even things out a little bit. I think. Just for the sake of, you know, fair play, I think Tarling's just like OP and we should just, he needs a bit of a nerf. So I think uh, he should just be limited to road bikes from now on. I mean, you've got to feel sorry for, like you said, for the organizers. Like, yeah, that was a dilemma. Yeah, obviously they didn't want that to reflect bad on them. And then like bad weather throughout the other days and then the final day, just absolutely unfortunate with shortening it and no race pictures like the only thing was like the last 20 seconds i think of of racing from the finish line yeah also bear in mind last year there was a snowstorm in one of the stages and they they took the sort of um the measures to say like we're not descending to the finish we're sort of neutralizing the stage uh i think that was a good decision then it is a problem like this is a rainy rainy part of spain and we're at the end of february like they can't they're sort of restricted in those sort of to what what god permits us which is a great metaphor given that the religious uh, connotations of this race. But we're all a little bit annoyed that some of the stars didn't quite rise to the top because they had a really good start list this year. But I think overall, they can be pretty happy with the progress they're making. They still have another Tour de France champion to take the win. And there are eyes on this race because it is Vingegaard's first race of the year. Um, so it can't be too beat up about it. And I think that Egan Bernal story as well with him sort of bouncing back almost, not to his top form, but definitely showing signs that he's coming back. Um, was really promising. Yeah, that stage two where Bernal was like hanging on to Jonas was just like instigating so much just like love on like just like the cycling sphere. It was great to see. 
So yeah, I, I think we we're all just really happy to see Bernal just like back to a good level. And you know, finishing on the podium and like at like you and said, like a decent level of GC contenders were here. I think he can take some good comfort from us. And you know, I know at the beginning of the season we're talking about he's going to the Vuelta, and it was all like, oh, you know, not. I was I was being quite pessimistic, I think. But I think there's definitely hope now. I think there's there's cause to be optimistic for Bernal for the rest of the season, which is great. I'm really happy to say that. Oh, we got a hope here. And also looking to ride the Vuelta this year as well as Lely Martinez, who had a fantastic week of racing as well. Uh, look, I'm really intrigued to see what he can bring. He won the overall youth classification at this race. He also won the Classic VAR not too long ago. Sorry to be as Harald Johansson. But um, I'm really intrigued to see what Martinez can bring. He's just 20 years of age, born in 2003. Gosh, he he's looking like a real sort of shout for France as well. We always are looking for a new French talent in the GC. And it looks like Martinez looks like the brightest star at the moment. Uh, Lenny Martinez looks really like he is a star in the making. In terms of Bernal, would you send him to the tour now? Or is it too soon? Uh, I, I think plus just... You know, baby steps. I think, you know, obviously, well, obviously I was going to say Grand Camino doesn't lead to Tour de France victories, but Jonas has done it, so that doesn't really hold up too much. I just think, you know, uh, uh, Welter's fine. You know, we'll see him at, uh, I don't know, a Basque country would be a really good place to see him, I think. Um, His program is Srabianki, Welta, Catalonia. Okay. A Basque country, Tour de Romandy of all places, and the Vuelta España. So very Spanish. That's all right. Yeah. Rom- Romandy crazy season. That is going Bernal's way. But I also think as well, Strada Bianca could be fruitful for him. He's done well there in the past. He proved he can ride gravel well at 2021 Strada Bianca and at the Giro in that stage into Montalcino. So I'm somewhat optimistic about Bernal. But I, I think as well, this year is probably not the year to send him to the Tour de France because it's such a stacked start list. They already have Charlie Rogers, Carlos Rodriguez going there as well. And for the Giro, they have Gareth Thomas. Um, so I think maybe, I mean, the Bolt is a chance maybe for him to try to stab out, if particularly if Rodriguez and Thomas aren't going, which we don't believe they are. No, but what if everyone else goes? Then you've got a stacked welter like we normally have. Wouldn't it be better to send him to the Giro? Or are you thinking of the time trialing? Good argument. I'm thinking. Well, he's 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 fine at time trialing. He's he's he's. I think he's mid pack time trialist. Do you disagree? I think. Well, yeah, I'm, yeah. He's no Poggy or Jonas, but you know, is he? He's not a contender. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. True. Is he just like equal to a Lenny Martinez? I mean, Lenny even actually did a decent TT. So yeah, he's he's just pretty mid. We love that turn. And I think as well, like that is the problem that Bernal's going to face with this paradigm shift that we're seeing is that a lot of these Galacticos are incredibly good at time trialing. Roglic, Poggy, Vingegaard, Avenable are all top 10 time trialists in the world. Bernal isn't there. So I think it's just going to be hard for him to really stand out against these guys. And I think you saw as well when we were in the mountains at Grand Comedia that Vingegaard still has that kick on him and can beat him in the climbs. Maybe Vingegaard's in better form than Bernal, but neither of them are really targeting this race. They have bigger goals deep down the line. If anything, I would say that... Uh, yes, Vingegaard was. He's like Grand Camino, target number one, everything else number two. Well, he's already won two Tours de France. He used to win two Grand Caminos, you know? It's just, it's just like heroes make their name. I mean, at the Grand Camino, like the one he did last year, this year, 
Josh Tarling winning that one stage. He's won six out of the seven stages he's taken part in Gran Camino. Like, what other rider has had that statistic in these short races? Toro Slovenia, Tadej Pogacar doesn't even have that. Yeah, and I think like Gran Camino as well. It, they they do keep offering these very ambitious mountain stages and hilly stages. And I think Vingegaard is also showing that he's more versatile than we maybe would have thought a couple of years back. And we saw the last year as well at the Basque Country and Dauphiné here as well. Grand Camino once again, he showed that he's more than just sort of a guy who can time trial well and climb well. He has that sort of hilly stage race reading, which I think is something that Poggy really has. Um, Vingo is rising to that challenge because that could be somewhere where Vingo could lose time to Poggy in the Tour de France. But if if Vingo matches that sort of that level, then I think he could be, I mean, unstoppable. I mean, jumping the questions. We did that last year with Tad Bogacar. Yeah, it's already been a year since that video. Well, I don't think quite a year, but is Jonas Vingo a complete rider in your opinion? We saw him descending well. We saw him climbing well. The hills as well, the time trialing. Well, we didn't see the time trialing. Uh, He was two minutes down on Josh Tarling because he was taking quite easy. But in terms of, yeah, a completeness of a GC rider, well, we spoke about Tad Bogacar saying that he's probably the most complete ride of his generation but yeah this thing got what do you think he's he's close i think i think he is really close i'd say last year i'd be i'd be like no but yeah i I think it's just like you were saying it's just his ability over shorter kind of punchy terrain i do think that poggy still has the edge on that and that just comes from i think poggy's greater participation in one day races personally i think that's really what comes from the race craft and the reading of the race you know, if I was to leave both of these guys without a domestique, with no team protection, I would still favour Poggy to do better because I think that he just has that racecraft from the one-day races because Jonas just doesn't do as many. Um, but saying that, I think that Jonas showed in this race some real good kind of what punchy terrain prowess i would i would love to see jonas early edge i really would but he just doesn't get sent there it just annoys the hell out of me i do think that jonas is very close to being a complete rider as a gc contender obviously i'm not expecting him to start riding rubet i think it really depends what we set our parameters to for complete rider because like in terms of complete rider across the calendar oggy's number one but in terms of a complete rider for a grand tour setting Vigo's number one because i mean how often a Grand Tour race is raced like classics? Not that often. We can have classic-style profiles in a Tour de France. They're not necessarily going to be raced like a Liège-Pastor-Liège. So I think in terms of that Grand Tour setting, Viego is probably number one. Um, and it is also difficult as well because we have four incredibly complete riders at the top of their game right now. We are spoiled for choice with Poggy, Roglic, Avonapol, and Vingo. They're all incredibly good riders. Three of those four have monument victories to their name. If we, if we look back at the sort of four great Grand Tour riders of the 2010s in Nibali, Froome, Quintana, and Contador, Nibali was the only one who won monuments. And Quintana's a bit of a sort of meh time trialist. Even though he won a Monte Grappa time trial, a mountain time trial, the Giro in 2014, doesn't quite count. But... I think just he, he is an incredibly complete rider. I think he is the best Grand Tour rider at the moment. If, if well, complete Grand Tour rider at the moment. That's yeah. what you're, you're fishing for. But I'm not quite so sure he'd win a Liège comfortably like a Poggy. No, definitely not. Well, I just think that 
Well, you say like Grant on stages might not be race like Liege, but I do think like there are some stages like maybe like the first couple of stages of the tour this year are very one day race esque, and I would still favour Poggy over that. But I do think when you get to like high mountains, Jonas is still the guy to beat for sure. So I think I agree with you and Linda. As a grand tour, like if I'm putting somebody into a grand tour, but Poggy just still just for me just edges it ever so slightly just because he's got a slightly better sprint and I think he's just reads a race a bit better. I agree. But then also looking at sort of 2023, last year's sort of France started with stages that looked like sort of one day races. Poggy did gain some more time there, but it was like a negligible amount that meant nothing really in the mountains. I think that is also the difference here is that these classic style profiles in a grand tour setting just make smaller gaps than they would in a classic, you know? And with Jonas's team around him as well, I just think that they support him, no limit of the losses, and then eats it back in the mountains. Yeah, that's true. Because Jonas was perfectly capable of following Poggy in all of those attacks last year, like you were saying at the start. And yeah, Poggy gained bonus seconds, but that's it wasn't like a you know, a time gap. There wasn't like distance between the wheels where at the end he gained seconds because of the gap between wheels. It was just bonus seconds. So, you know, Jonas not being as good as that doesn't really matter, like you say, because if he drops Poggy by five minutes up call to the laws, six bonus seconds in the first few stages don't mean anything because, you know, they're just completely blown out of the water in comparison. So, Jonas is probably at the exact, like the exact GC all-rounded person who you could get. I think, like hands down. Well, we'll move on. We could talk about this for well till the, the cows come home, whatever that means. Uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, yeah, we also had the opening weekend of the combination of Omnud Head Newsblad and Kern Brussel Kern, and yeah, because you two are against the UAE tour, even though it was a banging finish, we're going to keep that till later. But yeah, Omlud and Kern, Brussels Kern. I yum well, Visma Lisa bike show uh, once again. It seemed it was just last year, wasn't it? Basically, it was just it was the exact same thing. Omlud was the more entertaining of the two races. If you watch Kerner, I'll save you some time. Watch it from about 120 k's to go to it, like 70 k's to go, and then skip to five k's to go. Um, and I'll I'm just gonna save you like an hour and a half of your life. Omloop was really interesting, though, from the perspective of seeing Visma Lisa bike and their basically what will be their Tour of Flanders team in a bit of a dress rehearsal. And it was so dominant. It was very, it gave me notes of, of quick step from, you know, 10 years ago when we'd have Usual Bears and Terpstras and when and Trentine and stuff when he was there and like the Seneschal Asgreen and stuff. Where they just have so many numbers, it's just ridiculous. Like other people may as well just roll rolled over and just give them a victory to them anyway. And the fact that they made a move, it came back and they still won with Trapnik. And just it just showed there's such strength and depth, and nobody was able to match them. Like simple as that. Like no other team is near them, I think, in terms of classic strength at the moment. I think there was more risk involved this year. With Tranek attacking, Pollock following with, they could have probably tried to isolate it down so it was only one ride all the way to the end. But uh, in difficult circumstances, when that Peloton were chasing them, they still backed Tranek instead of sort of trying to sort of 
neutralize that move and bring back Wild Van Aert to win a, a sprint, which he did win comfortably. You know, it's it it, it 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 was more entertaining, and I think yeah, strength and depth is really important. Jorgensen looked like he was on course to win it for a while. Then Wild Van Aert was in a great position. And Tranek just swept in at the end and, and took the overall, well, took the win there. And then in Kurna, Brussels, Kurna, they just had the strongest guy in the end. They they knew to sort of bet on Wild Vanaar. There was less risk involved there. He was going to win that, that sprint to the end regardless. And, I mean, it was a slog to get through. But uh, it was definitely sort of dominant racing from his Melissa bike. But we are missing a very, very important man called Matthew Van Der Poel. Is that going to change the dynamic completely? Potentially. I mean, speaking of repeating conversations we did last year, we this time last year we were saying, are they too strong for the classic season? And then, yeah, much runnable happened. So is that the way you stop this Melissa bike? Potentially. Well, we saw the-, the numbers game, because Tratnik, he seems very strong. And you two have been banging on about Tratnik as well in the classics. So having him, having Van Baal, having Wavanar, maybe it was just one year they needed to just gel a bit more. But you guys were also saying last year when we we're talking about this, that when we come to a monument such as Ronde van Vlaanderen or Paro Bay, we, it is always the cream rises to the top. You don't really see riders coming with teammates all too often. That's true, but I think in Ronda they have a better chance than Roubaix. Because in Ronda they have, I think, a stronger Hillier team to support them. Where in Roubaix, I think that could be where Albus and Koenig really sort of outplayed them. They did last year, they had a great ride last year. Phillips is right up to his top level with a couple of their teammates like Drew Stabont and Johnny van Meris. Then I think then we could be sort of looking at Albus and Koenig really sort of fighting with Bismarck. But for the here and now, and with all these like Hades, Wavelhams, and Idris, and so forth coming up soon, they should be winning these ones comfortably. Who with? It could be any of their riders. I don't think we see, we didn't really see much of Christophe Laporte. I think he's definitely got more to give. He's definitely tar- he's targeting Roubaix. He said that recently as well. So it's a bit of a dream for him to win that race. And he thinks he could win that race. Tranek looked fantastic. But could he bring it Roubaix? Jorgensen looked brilliant as well. I think he could be really influential. At uh, Idri, as well as at uh, the Ronde van Landra. Also, is Poggy going to Ronde this year? Um, I don't know. I don't think he is. With Poggy out of the equation, that makes it slightly easier because they've only got one yeah. rival really to look out for. Yeah, basically, if they can get Van der Poel isolated with, like, if they can get Van der Poel isolated before the Paterburg, like Adequermont duo at the end like if they could just have two riders there it's going to make it so hard for him especially if like i think laporte was dare i say laporte was just playing like i, I think he barely like he kept his powder really dry this weekend like i didn't really see laporte ever really making a move like he followed moves and did some kind of like ghost attacks but he looked like he was honestly just cruising like he even just like easily got that one sprint win in Kerna at the end. I think he's looking dangerous. And also, that European champs jersey and bike, oh, that, that looks so good. Um, it's a crazy good team. It wouldn't surprise me if they won every single, like, the, all the semi-classics. I think Visma Lisa bike could easily mop up all of those. But yeah, Ronda, I, I do have more confidence in Wout at Ronda now. Even if you know, obviously there wasn't a Vanderpool here, but like we were just saying, Poggy's not there. It's like a one-on-one basically with Vanderpool, and with their strength, I just think that 
help us in last year, made that signing of Craig Anderson. But I think the addition of Jorgensen has been really good for Visma Lisa bike this year. And I think just yeah, Jorgensen and Tratnik and Laporte and Van Baal and Van and uh, White Van Art versus like Philipson was nowhere this weekend, to be honest. Like he was in the break in Omloop, but he got dropped. Like he ain't making it. So it's like what? Four Visma Lisa bike or five versus like Van der Poel and Craig Anderson? Like the numbers are in their favour already. Al Anderson. It's got got what? Perfect monologue. Okay, so like, for instance, in in a Ronda situation, if it's brought up to be like Jorgensen, Wout, and Mathieu, or whoever, whichever Visma rider you want with Wout and Mathieu, does Wout win in that hypothetical situation? Honestly, just that they, or was it 2021 where they went head to head? Or was that Al's Green? 2020. Yeah, 2020. The one where it's head-to-head between them two. That's a lot of flashbacks to that and how Wow Wow is known for bottling sprints at the end of one-day races. And before Wow and our fans get all hot and, you know, freaking flustered in the comments section, it's it's just facts, people, all right? Don't get upset. It's It's just the way it is. I honestly think that it just depends which white one art gets out of bed. Like if some maybe he'll be on the pool in the sprint, maybe he won't. I think that their better shot would be to try and get two Visma Lee Spike riders, wow plus somebody. And then you have to launch that somebody and make Vanderpool chase so that you nullify his legs up a Paterberg. Ideally. That's because that's where wow or the Alderquamont, whichever one. You have to use that anticipation to make Vanderpool work. That's the only way I can see to neutralize and Sometimes as well, I think Vanderpool under pressure can make silly moves. Although he's great at these high-pressure sort of big-stage events, we have also seen Vanderpool struggle and make sort of silly moves and use his energy inefficiently. Are we going to see a desperate Vanderpool try to isolate Wout of an early? Or are we going to see Vanderpool try to just ride the wheels, let Visma control the race, and see what happens? We could even see, like, I mean, Payerson as well. I mean, he's also going to be an important figure if he's up at that top form. He could also sort of join those three. That could make the dynamic particularly interesting, a bit like at the World Championships in Glasgow last year. It really is looking like Vanderpool has to just sort of match Visma Lisa Bike's energy and not sort of get too giddy and overthink the hypotheticals beforehand of what if they're in this position? What if they have all the power? Because we thought that last year and while Van Aert wasn't quite there in the day, despite Nathan van Hooydonk's best chances to bring him back, there's no Nathan van Hooydonk this year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Idri will give us a clearer idea because Idri's a harder race. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Not harder than Ronda, but it's probably at an equal level to Omlo. I mean, I think Alperson should sign Tom Scoyan, speaking about the Glasgow and, yeah, Omelou. Fantastic at the weekend as well. Sign him up, guys. We can't talk about this too much. We have a lot more races to go to. And just to get through it, <laughs> UAE Tour, Patrick, last Middle Eastern race for a while. Actually, I think it's the last one, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, what did you guys think of this? Should we sort of step through the chronology of the race to begin with? Oh, if we yeah. have to go on yeah. here. if we have to (laughs) in short Tim O'Leary began the week in winning ways common theme here 
Similarly, in one stage, one ahead of Arda Decline. Stage two was won by Brianna McNulty in a UAE Team Emirates 1-2-3 with Jay Vian in second place and Biel in third. That was that time trial with Tobias Foss in fourth and a surprisingly good ride for the Austrian, who I didn't really know much about, Rainer Kepling, who finished in fifth place there. The following stage on stage three was won by Ben O'Connor. After him and Barry Bantra launched, launched a fantastic move up the Jebel Jais with Jay Vine in second place. He went into the red jersey of the overall leader at that point, um, sporting a fantastic mustache at, at, at this point in time, I must say. It seems to be the season of the cycling mustaches and cycling mullets. Mathieu van der Poel, we await your return to road season. Tim Lear took stage four ahead of Arvid Decline once again. Stage five was won by Olaf Koy before stage six was won by Tim Lear again. Three wins from Lear this week with Arvid Decline in second once more. Then finally, stage seven, which was the Jabal Dafit finale, a fantastic final 10 kilometers of this stage. We saw the race leader, Jay Vine, get dropped. We saw um, the other American, Brandon McNulty, get dropped as well. UAE had a bit of a, a bit of a tragedy. Also, we lost over Adam Yates without the race through concussion. And in the end, it was the young Belgian Leonard from Eightfeld who went on the attack. The Gatmar Ajdazar was trying to limit their losses and regulate the time gaps so that Ben O'Connor could win overall. However, Leonard van Eightfeld did the damage and he took the overall win along with the stage winner of the Jabal Hafiz. He took the overall win by two seconds ahead of Ben O'Connor. Thanks to tie bonuses, he gained an intermediate sprint earlier in the UAE Tour when he went in the breakaway. Uh, with uh, Ben O'Connor in second place with the Gatmar Ajdazar, Peo Bilbao in third at 11 seconds, Ilan van Wilder in fourth and Attila Valta in fifth. Guys, an interesting week of racing. Two fascinating mountain stages. I will say that. The sprint stages, they all blend into one. Um, but no super team in the top three, you could say, uh, with Lotto winning, Decathlon second, and Bahrain in third. Um, a a, a Galacticolus race was fascinating to watch. I think UAE's absence is the thing that surprises me most. Obviously, like you said, Yates was out with a concussion, but I am surprised, given McNulty's early season form, that he wasn't... You know, obviously, he did a good TT, but he just wasn't there on the mountains. He was uh, he was, he was, was struggling a bit there, which is a bit odd. But it was, I think, Van Eightville, that's just a fantastic victory for him. Of course, he was really good in some of the Mallorca Challenge races. So great to see that he's like backed that up. O'Connor was... I love that Jabal Jais win. You know, his TT was decent. And yeah, he only lost by two seconds. Uh, Bill Bow just doing Bill Bow things. Just, you know, consistently just like, you know, I, I kind of, I don't want to, I kind of just forgot that Bill Bow was in the race. And then I'm just like, oh yeah, he's, he, yeah, you know, he's just Mr. Consistent, just, you know, gets the job done. Yeah. I mean, all the sprints could honestly do with just being like a hundred kilometers shorter. I think then that would be really, I'll just make things a hell of a lot more interesting because there is just so much just like excess nothingness that we just don't need to see. You may as well just, just tune in with, I always just tuned in with 20Ks to go or 15 and then because nothing else is happening apart from Mark Stewart getting intermediate sprints and then like, like that's it. Um, but you know, the, the sprints were interesting. They were hectic. They were really fast. It felt, you know, it, it, did, it gave us kind of very adrenaline kind of filled finishes, which I, I did like. But, oh my word, I am glad that the UAE tour's over. And I don't have to see people reverse calculating what's the kilos up, Jabel, whatever the hell it is. I just hate those things. 
yeah. Uh, I mean, this is, am I right in saying Lotto's first world tour win in years? That's an interesting one. I can't uh, think of the last time they won a world tour race. So we're going to have to look back to Maximo for... Would it be like Tim Willens, the Renewed yeah, Tour okay. or whatever? Yeah. yeah. At the Aneco Big Bang. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever it's called, tour. It's impressive. And for, for an 8 it's a huge win. I do feel bad because Ben O'Connor, I think, rode a really good race. I think Decathlon rode a really good race. And they played the last stage a little bit too, sort of safe. But um, I think... Ben O'Connor is a bit sort of hard done by not winning this race overall. Do you think Yates would have won? Yes. You reckon? Yeah. Hundred like it it's it's Adam Yates in the UAE tour. He would have put a minute into the- guaranteed to be on a feet finish. Like they should name him yeah. the Jabil Adam Yates. Obviously UAE didn't do brilliantly here. Even if you know, with a caveat of Yates, you know, whatever. Do you I don't know. Do you think that UE is too reliant? Do you, do you think that UE is too reliant on Poggy to get results? Like, if Poggy wasn't in this team, would this team be anywhere near as good as we think it is? Ayuso, Almeida, come on, they have a few yeah, more cards. Yeah, Almeida, think... Almeida wins like one stage every year. Um, okay, come on, come off it, come off it. Look at the past week; they got two wins down in the Ruin Valley. We'll get to that later. Hopefully not. <laughs> but we will, we will. And Dot Pro Merchant Mark Hirschi took wins there. They got two second places through Tim Wellens and Nils Pollitt at the opening weekend, and they got a one, two, three in a time trial at the UAE tour. And if and they led most of the race. Well, Brandon faulty was faulty. <laughs> um, we're back at it again. Dave Vine, I mean, he's he's just like not quite as experienced at the world tour level. I, I know. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Is, be be, be, be nice. The only friend this podcast has in the professional peloton is Jay Vine so far. Okay, but he hasn't been he hasn't been doing the world tour rounds for a long time. We can say that. Um, particularly not as a, as as a GC leader. It's only really the past like year. So I think like it was a bit of a risk once Adam Yates left and the team were probably anticipating that Adam Yates was going to be their leader and main contender. They didn't really know what was happening and he got pulled off the bike later on. So there's probably some confusion there. I think that's a harsh statement to say like this team is just poggy. I think it's definitely more than just poggy. Um, yeah, I'm just rustling feathers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yates, Yates probably would have won this race overall. Let's be real. You know, yeah, this was not an A-list start list and Adam Yates as an A-list writer. I've just been seeing a lot of yellow around the place recently, you know? If somebody say to me who's who's winning so far this season, is it Visma Lisa Bike or is it UAE? It's Visma Lisa Bike. I'll get to that. I'll get to our weekly... No, let's let's just dig into that a little bit there because Isaac Del Toro took a win early this year at the Tour de Under finished third overall in that race they also had a number of wins earlier on from Brandon McNulty one in Valencia um you know I I, I think this team is much more it, it it does have strength and depth they don't quite have the world tour level dominance of a Visma Lisa bike but they hoover up world tour points I mean we've looked past Finn Fisher Black and and Adam Yates winning in the Trover man UAE are good I mean, Visma Lisa Bike won five races in two days this weekend. So that's true. Two well, stages I mean, with the goal, the opening ones, and the overall. So Basically, I haven't seen UAE do that. 
When Pogba oh, gets Scott, added, Scott, 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 it's not just about the past week. Let's not get amnesia. I know they and Marian Voss won the omelette for the women's. Go Marian Voss, big, big fan. Women. To be fair, Marian Voss would be beating Lotte Kopecky with absolute fun. Fun. That's just like a nice little side. The goat is back. But basically, but the, the, the point is when Poggy gets unleashed from his cryo chamber, which he's currently defrosting from to go to study, right? I this, thought he this, was this, in UNE. Wasn't he in UAE on social oh, media? Why is he not racing it? Man? Exactly. <laughs> so cryo chamber somewhere in Slovenia, What's Monaco, UAE. What's the point of going to this dust bowl if you're not going to race? Right? It's just, it's just pointless. Right, there goes that visit uh, UAE contract. <laughs> I went like, oh, I don't want to go for anything. <laughs> this team's going to be sick once Poggy gets unleashed. Like they're, they're they're like you know simmering, and Poggy's just about to like put them on the boil. Like they they have got this set, but I, I just quite like the two and throwing between UAE and Visma. I think that it's a good little battle, and uh, but you know, I, I I I just want Poggy back racing. I really want Stardy to come around. Like I, it kind of hurts me that we're not going to see loads of them this year until we get to the Grand Tours. It's like before then we have to kind of like we're starved of just a, the occasional one day race in the Catalonia. And I'm like, oh. he's just an entertaining racer. This year we have four guys to follow, not just two. So that'd be quite cool because they have Roglic and Ethan Paul as well on top of uh, Poggy and Jonas. Anyone else? Yeah, yes. Theo <laughs> Gegenhardt. Hagen, no, sorry. Rodriguez oh, as well. I mean, we might as well jump to the next one. And Well, do you want to discuss the Adam Hansen thing? Apparently, there was a bit of a spat on Twitter. Uh, he's the, the Riders Union. You and you know this much better than me. He's head of the CPA, which is the Riders Union who tried to sort of support the Riders and stand for the Riders' welfare. Uh, I mean, this is much of nothing. Some people like to bat at bash at him he is a little bit sort of reluctant to reply on twitter and he has twitter blue sorry x blue whatever the fuck it's called nowadays um so he 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 has the the legal rights to 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 post a million word responses to people and to be honest it is much about nothing it's people complaining about concussion protocol because adam eats came down in the crash and he was put back in the bike for a bit the team did did what they they should have done the team realized that he wasn't quite responding to questions as they should have, and they pulled him off the bike. I'm actually in agreement with Adam Hansen. I think that they've done what they could, and I think all parties involved have done the best thing possible. You know, a couple of years back, that wasn't quite the same. I'm thinking of Balde back at the 2020 Tour de France, where he was in his home region, came down to that crash, went back on the bike, and it took him a day to pull out the race, but he really should not go back on that bike. But they consulted a lot of people, a concussion protocol it's a very buzzwordy thing at the moment in other sports like rugby and probably american football i don't know but definitely rugby um in my anglo-european mindset concussions it, it, it's a really difficult thing to assess you know i think any sort of sort of mental injury in a sport is very difficult to assess it's a high pressure situation remember that these guys are on the edge they want to perform like they want to do their job they want to get the results yeah because the tricky thing is going back to rugby thing because they have like their gum shields have sensors in them so they can tell when they've had like a really heavy impact so they can take somebody off for an HIA a head injury assessment sorry but that, that's fine in a game setting where they can get taken off and somebody can be substituted in and they can be kind of safely looked after and kind of assessed whereas when Adam Yates for example like you can get sensors in helmets 
Like, they're, they're literally readily available. You crash, you have a hard impact, it sends a text to some emergency contact or whatever. Now, you could use those, but then the problem is, is integrating it. Because then you have to say, okay, Adam Yates, we're going to have to do a head injury assessment on you by a concussion test. But it's like, but, but, but the peloton is riding away. I don't know. And, and then it's like, well, what do you then do? Is it, how long is this assessment going to take? What if it happens at the bottom of a mountain, but, you know, Jonas is attacking? And it's like, no, 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 sorry. You need a head, in- a head injury assessment before you can carry on riding. The idea is that is there, like you can use these sensors to say you need a concussion test, but integrating it is going to be a lot harder in a bike race in comparison to an NFL, a rugby, a football match. Exactly that. And I mean, the team did what they could have done. They put him back in the bike. He wanted to get back in the bike. And the team sort of ran through simple questions to him. And he didn't respond properly. And then that's when they took him off the bike. They realized he wasn't quite acting as he normally would. I think that that, that that's a fair way, way of doing it. Maybe some riders, they come off and the reaction is quicker th- than they're expecting. And then boom, they can retire there. And then we have also seen in, in recent weeks that concussion injuries can last a very long time. Tycho van der Hoorn is still out with concussion after a crash last year. You know, this really is on a case-by-case um, case, you know, out of... Uh, I was trying to think of a way to say that word and repeat the same word three times in the same sentence. But how? Yeah, I, I guess like making that arbitrary sort of slam the head, boom, the sensor sort of brings you off. But I think everyone reacts to something in a different way. I mean, both of you, very sensible discussion there. I think Twitter should listen to your discussion uh, or X, whatever. Who cares? People want to sort of always want to criticize the way that yeah, true. And, I, and I think having that constant accountability scrutiny of the sport the way that it goes is healthy that discourse is healthy whether it's constructive or not I don't know but it's healthy to have that accountability and maybe it leads to more people uh, looking inwards and then some teams maybe will have their own domestic policies you know some teams might have sensors. It might not be a, a whole cycling rule, but some teams might implement that. Some teams might have different rules to others. Some team doctors may be more parabatic than others. It really depends. Having a big blanket rule in the whole sport for concussion injuries, I think is like, it's really difficult to, to monitor. I mean, in rugby and football, there's only two teams involved in that. Well, here there's like 20 or so in, in, in a race, you know, and every team will act differently. Can you imagine a mass pileup? And it's just like, you oh, fairy people all need a concussion test because all of your senses have gone bluff. So you all need to stop and yeah, the logistics of it just don't add up. Right. To get back to racing, uh, we we're going to go with the Peter Sagan story, but or, or the well, we could go to racing first, but I want to squeeze in this before we get to the Drone Classic. Match Vanderpool announced his schedule and TBD was a Liège Baston Liège and he hasn't done it since the COVID races or COVID era or whatever you want to call it. So uh can Match of Wonderful win Liège Baston Liège as the world champion? I mean the world champion has won it in the past well he won it last year. Yeah exactly. <laughs> Alaphilippe thought he won it in two thousand twenty, uh when he had that rainbow jersey on his on his chest. But I'm not quite so sure. He he rode a good race in that COVID season, but that COVID season was also like very, very unique um in itself. 
um like it was only Liège was only a week after the world championships and that was just before the cobble classic so it was kind of in reverse to how it is normally so i mean i'm not quite so sure i just think there are like plenty of other guys that have a decent shout i don't quite know if he's a strong enough climber on these short well these these longer climbs that we have at Liège in comparison to the short steep climbs that we have at the world championships and amstel gold but i'd certainly be open to the prospect of him doing it yeah i think van der Poel. 30 seconds to one minute climbs brilliant perfect love that gets towards three minutes oof <laughs> I don't yep, know agree. like when it when you get up lava a dude like you can already you, I can see it in my mind's eye I can see Poggy going or Avonapool going Vanderpool's on the wheel everyone's losing their minds oh my word Vanderpool's gonna hang on the wheel and out sprint him and then we're gonna get about 800 meters from the top and he's just gonna get slowly dropped like is you, you can see it. Like he's gonna last for like two minutes, and then he's gonna get dropped. He, he just is. It, it's it's pure physiology. You can't disagree with it. It's just it's gonna happen. I would love to see Van der Poel win it because that would be his one four monuments. But he's gonna win Il Lombardia, which would just be mental. That's happening as well this year. It's just not because Il Lombardia would have to turn into the Grand Piemonte the flat version of Grumpy Amonte in order for it to work. Maybe the organisers would be willing to just change the routes, like the historical routes, just so that Van der Poel could do it. I'll be a vibe. Um, please. <laughs> Can we do the flattest route possible between Cornwall and Bergamot? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. No one thinks he could potentially. Laro do you think that's game over? Yeah. I, I don't think it's necessarily La Redoux. I just think it's these longer climbs. Like we saw at the Tour de France last year on stage one and on stage two, he was nowhere to be seen. I know he was working more as a lead out man in the Tour de France last year, but I think just like the longer climbs in general, not quite his his forte. I'm thinking more on like Rochefoucauld. It's like 6% for three kilometers. I don't necessarily think that that's a Van der Poel style climb. I think that's more of, we're going to see more of these climbers go out for it. Yeah, I mean, it's not even like he's up against nobody. He's up against everyone. <laughs> Super talent in the sport, barring Jonas. The man who had that 100% Roglic. record. Yeah, yeah, like Roglic. Wait, is Roglic? Ro- Roglic is doing the edge, yeah? Yeah, apparently. I thought he was. Oh. No. Uh, well, he's got to face Poggy and Remington. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's like, not exactly. Jeez, it's not going to be easy, but I am all in hoping that he does win it okay we might as well go to the drum classic because you has been waiting patiently and uh yeah you what happened in these two races there was well we went as well well we went down to the road valley um and we had the phone audition the phone drum classic in aldesh it was down to a little sprint at the end between Felix Gahal of the Catalan Ajudezin, Matthias Skelmos of the Danish champion of Little Trek, Roman Gregoire and Juan Ayuso. And Ayuso took the win for UAE Team Emirates ahead of Gregoire of Groupama Francaise des Jeux uh, for Ayuso's first win of the year, I believe. The next day in the Drum Classic, in the, the département, the, the county over, 
Uh, it was his teammate Mark Hirsch who took the win, the Swiss Swiss national champion who loves these little races. He took the win ahead of Juan Ayuso, who won the day before, with Maxime van Hills in third place, and a resurgent Warren Bargui in fourth for DSM Firmenich post-NL. Well, I don't really have much more to say, but Ayuso is looking really good. His next meeting, we believe, his next rendezvous will be Strada Bianca ahead of Tireno. Yeah, wait, he was he rode that uh, short time trial as well in Andalusia. Yeah, and he finished second. Yeah. Uh, he should have gone for He was winning that one, yeah. But, um, I mean, he got no World Tour points for that, I don't think. Well, Patrick, it's a long program already. Uh, I'll just squeeze in Toro Rwanda as well, and then you can comment on both of them. Uh, Toro Rwanda won by Joseph Blackmore of Israel Premier Tech. Okay, Joe, whatever. Joseph, Joe. <laughs> Come on, you. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, what you... no, so, sorry. I, I, I like it. Oh, it likes Paul broke up, and I didn't. I, I thought you were scrambling to find oh, right, his right. name. <laughs> Understandable, because I've not really heard of him before. He was wheeling on the final stage in the yellow jersey, which I thought was quite great in Kigali. Lopez oh, second place as well. It was his twenty-first birthday. On what a way to celebrate! Six, and he he took the stage win at Mont Kigali, and then yeah, he wheeled over the line. Honestly, well, he's actually in the in the Israel Premier Tech Academy, so he might be making a name for himself to be fielded at some World Tour races this year. Now you can talk, Patrick. <laughs> what do you think of all three races? I was also thinking about UAE at starting because Poggy's going, Ayuso, Hershey, Valens, Domin Novak. Oh, <laughs> he's obviously the leader of the team. <laughs> I just think that's, that's, a, that's a crazy good team. And especially when you consider that not you isn't going and or out isn't going. And yeah, I just think that UAE have got Stardy pretty much just nailed down already. We may as well just hand a victory to them because I just don't see how anybody's going to beat that team considering just how freaking strong it looks. I'm um, going to counterpoint that with with is that allowed are you allowed to go against UAE at Pog no Ineos have a good team Pitcock Egenbaradal Magnus Sheffield and double winner of the past Michal Kwiatkowski are also raised a little flag for Vizvalisa bike who knew Attila Vant is looking really good and he came quite close last year alongside the new one day racing Sepp Kuss and Ben Tullet who I think could do really well in this kind of profile and Bart Lennon. <laughs> Bart Lennon got another top 10 in GC this week, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair point. But still, like, Pitcock won last year because Poggy wasn't there, in my opinion. And, and that, that is, is coming from a Yorkshireman saying that's what. I just think that Poggy. I'm looking for. I, I can't wait for Stardy, which, as, as we all know, still isn't a monument. Um, but I'm still looking forward to the race nonetheless. But, I mean. It, Patrick, you predicted correctly that Tratnik was going to win. Loot. Who's, who's so winning Strata? Come on, give everyone... We can all put our mortgages on or what you oh, say next. Oh. If we had mortgages. Um, <laughs> let's go with... Let's go with something a little bit weird. Would they cuss win Stardy Bianchi? He was actually pretty good at Klaska Heian. So, I don't think it's out of a question, but Sepkos may finish on the podium. Of Stardy. I don't even think that's too far fetched to believe. I agree. I wouldn't be surprised. We've had like proper climbers finishing the podium in the past couple of years. 
I'm all aboard the Attila Valta, Attila Valta hype train. But I just, I, I think Poggy will win, but um, Attila Valta will finish in second place. Valons was very good this opening weekend as well. You know, he was bridging a gap in Omloop on the uh, Mer Keppelmer, and then he was obviously second only to Wout Art and Kerner. So he's looking really good too. He's been really consistent. I think his lowest finishing in Stardew is like 13 for 15 for something like that. Mm. It's just a really strong team. Well, I mean, talking about Stardew, we might as well finish on a down note because, well, we're finishing on the up note with the writer of the week. But in terms of Peter Scan, heart problems, um, apparently his heart, uh, well, high heart elevation and had to be taken to the hospital and he, i'm not sure if he's actually undergoing surgery for it well he's undergoing a heart procedure i'm not quite sure what oh, entails okay. not a doctor um but this happened actually during a mountain bike race they got flat up and um he had to be taken to hospital his bpm was over 200 uh during the the race apparently i think that's a lot i don't really know what's your resting heart rate supposed to be I mean, it depends per person, but like, guys, you you have the science background. What probably like, to be? like an athlete, should probably like someone team forty to fifty. Well, I think your uh, the estimate for your highest heart rate is supposed to be your two hundred and twenty minus your age is like a rough yeah. And he's uh, thirty. He's he, he's definitely not twenty. <laughs> Yeah, last time I saw 200 was like a couple of years ago, and then I literally got to the top of a climb after the effort, and I just had to lie down. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I think 200 is not comfortable. Yeah. But I, um, he's okay, the god himself. Yeah, well, his aim this year is to go to Paris for the Olympic Games. Um, we'll see if that actually happens. Well, we'll, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Well, yeah, but... We'll see if that actually happens. He missed the last Olympics due to injury as well. Um, but apparently he's going to be starting training in a couple weeks' time. So, yeah, it seems like they're optimistic he'll come back. Just not quite so sure if that's the best thing. We've seen cardiac problems like affect cyclists as well in the past. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if he comes back. I don't know. I think cycling's a bit different. In football, people, riders have cardiac problems and seem to come back fine. But in cycling, it might be a little bit different. True. I think he needs a perfect place for him to recuperate and regain his strength would be at the Peter Sagan Hotel. <laughs> he should really book himself into his own hotel. Because it's got it's got it's got a gym and it's got a pool. And I think it might have a spa as well. And I think it does, yes. Um and if he stays in the Parry Roubaix room, he can have a rooftop terrace, if I recall. Um, and he could also have a wall with loads of pictures of himself to rest his ego and lower that heart rate down a little bit if he reminds himself of the good old days. I mean, also, it's not like okay. I mean, that, that was uh, you turned a negative story into a bit of positive. Coming to Rider of the Week and uh, exciting. Well, actually, no, before we go into Rider of the Week, we introduced that segment last week. Teams with the most wins. And I don't know if you guys can guess who is the team with the most wins in total, but uh, I was a bit surprised. Is it still Lidl Track? No, it's not. We have a new leader. Is it Israel Permitech? It's a dull quick step. Oh, oh! I mean, Merlier won three times this week. That feels normal, Scott. That feels like <laughs> yeah, it like does. Fact. We, we like reset. 
You know, they usually have the most team, one of the most wins. It's either them, Visma, or UAE. Tied with UAE, though, crucially. And uh, Israel, because of Joe Blackball, moved up into second yeah. place with nine wins. Which Where's Visma? Mean, is Visma where? Uh, Visma is in fifth place, moving down four places. So, washed. Washed. <laughs> but, nevertheless, going to right of the week. And uh, who wants to start? Um, I haven't even thought about this. To be I'll, I'll go first. My rider of the week is Tim Merlier for winning three stages of a UE tour. I, feel, I honestly, his leader wasn't brilliant, but his ability to just surf for wheels and he was just like when he launched, it made everyone else look really like second rate. And I just think that Merlier really showed that he is. At the moment, you could argue the fastest sprinter in the world and probably deserving of getting a Grand Tour start finally. So, well done to Melia for winning three of the four at UAE Tour sprints. Well, I mean, yin and yang, I want to pick over the Clyde who finished in second place behind him in all three. But I'm going to pick Leonard van Aetveld who took the overall win at UAE. We weren't expecting him to win overall, maybe a decent top five, but uh, winning overall with a solid rider, Chappelle Hafeet, and also having the tactical prowess to go into the breakaway to take bonus seconds in a race that he knew was going to be closely fought out was tactical genius, I would say. Um, Sorry, Ben O'Connor. I know I backed you for the podium in the past for the threads, but let it if I'll get some impress. Okay, I mean, the obvious choice is Johannes Vingol, but I'm not going to give him that because we didn't see the final stage properly. I'm going to pick a rider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Did he actually even win? <laughs> he just came up first. Yeah, First one out of the buses. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for, surprisingly, one that I thought one of you two would have gone for, and I'm going to pick movie stars or movie stars uh, Los Cano for finishing on the podium today in Kern, Brussels Kern. I thought that was quite a good ride by him. Well, we weren't surprised by by that ride because we said he he could podium a big race this year and it's happened. That's so true. I mean, Jan Tratnik. No, no, you picked Jan Tratnik either. Yeah, well, because he, had his he just last week. Uh, okay. He just, he just pinged off in the final 2K. What, like, what, Mark? Anyone could do that. <laughs> Anyone could have done that. You know, 2K effort. Silver platter for him, basically. He got to sit in the peloton. I would have loved to have picked Piffy if he managed to make that kind of, um, kind of move stick, but it was just like one climb too many. But I but, want to change it now to Marianne Voss, but that feels cruel on Los Cano. It's too late. Uh, I win again. Locked in. Ernst and uh, Young have, have been calculating. Our accountants have said you cannot change. It's oh, been well. sent off. It's in the vault. Oh, well. Myron Voss, I, I wanted you, but I should have thought about it for two seconds longer. Anyways, that's basically it for our 57th episode. Can you believe it? And if you haven't already, make sure to hit the like button. Comment down below what you thought of this week's racing as well. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the ch- subscribe here on the channel and check us out on Spotify and the various uh, Twitter accounts down below. But with that, thank you very much for watching, and we will see you in the next one when we're dissecting. Uh, Start being angry. It's not my human. <laughs> All right, uh, that was Top good. Drop that in. <laughs> yeah. All right. See you guys at some point, I guess. See you after the. Yeah. Start it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first monument of the year. Let's. Oh my god. <laughs>